Well, you might have a bit of a crisis of confidence if you were the leader of a country's government and then suddenly you announce your resignation and the markets don't really seem to care too much. Well, that's what happened to Liz Truss today. Well, there was a, a bit of movement, but the markets were more concerned about rising rate talk from the Fed officials, uh, pushing the US dollar higher for a while, with the yen hitting a 32-year low, although the dollar has cooled down a bit later in the session. And Aussie employment still as tight as ever. What does that mean for the RBA the week after next? It's Friday, the 21st of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a bit up and down for the US dollar, but it is flat on the DXY, marginally down. In fact, a 0.1% rise in the Aussie dollar at 62.80 US cents. Uh, the euro up 0.1%, the pound only marginally down. This, this is sort of an example of how little the markets have reacted to the news that their prime minister over there has resigned. Another example is that 10-year gilt yields are up three basis points, which is the same as German bund yields, whereas 10-year treasuries are up 10 basis points, up to 4.23%. How high are they going to go as inflation fears? continue to rise. Aussie 10-year bonds were up 11 basis points yesterday, up to 4.05%, but quite a big fall, about 25 or 30, 29 basis points, I think, on futures since then. And US shares down again, 0.3% down at close for the down, 0.8% for the S&P 500 and 0.6% off for the Nasdaq. The Russell 2000 down 1.2%. The FTSE 100 is up 0.3%. That's uh, since the Liz Trust resignation, most of that. But then the Eurostoxx 50 is up more than that. It's up 0.6%. And oil is up for a change as well, a half percent rise for WTI uh, and uh, a 0.1% rise for Brent now, more than that earlier, now sitting around 92.50. So what happens when the UK Prime Minister announces her resignation? Well, it seems as far as the markets are concerned, who cares really? Let's see if Gavin Friend cares. Of course he does. Uh, From NAB in London, uh, you might have expected, there was some moves, but you might have expected the markets would be a bit more excited about losing uh, what many have seen as being a, a bit of a liability and a prime minister but i guess there is uncertainty now isn't there because the the big question mark is who's going to replace that and we don't know that yet yeah morning phil i mean i think there was you know earlier this week there was the possibility wasn't there that liz trust could have limped on perhaps for a few months more um you know after the job of finance minister was handed to jeremy hunt and it became clear he was in charge of policy u-turning pretty much all of her um, tax cuts and other fiscal plans and in so doing stabilizing UK financial markets, you know, the pound has risen since that point. Longer term, gilt yields have dropped back meaningfully. Um, we're at 120, 120 basis points lower now in 30-year gilt yields from the peak above 5%. But the chaos, I think, of the last 24 to 36 hours, you know, made it, you know, made it very clear that uh, things were going to be brought to a head much more quickly. And I think, you know... <laughs> We had thought that the sort of governing Tories would perhaps first coalesce around one candidate, you know, before moving towards or moving to Truss's exit so that that would have been a route that was less uncertain. But the it, fact they haven't been able to shows that, you know, there's well, uncertainty coming, doesn't it? Because, I mean, that would be the logical thing would say, well, she's going, but it looks likely this person's going to replace her. But there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of candidates throwing in from throwing their hat in the ring from from different sides of the party. So it is going to be very uncertain. And that's why we're, uh, you know, I guess that's why, you know, there's we, we can expect quite a bit of volatility over the, over the next few days or the next week. Yeah, but but I would think, um, you know, what the what the um, governing um 1922 backbench committee have done is that they've set a high bar so mm. if you want to be in this you've got to have your, 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 your sort of candidacy in by monday you've got to um rock, rock up with 100 mp votes there are 357 tory mps yeah so it's a high bar 
to get into the contest. And that suggests there's a maximum of three candidates. Yeah. It, it may well be that there's just one candidate. Yeah, it's it unlikely. Could, in which case, we'd know um, on Monday. Uh, otherwise, we know on Monday. we'll know on yes. Friday because the whole thing's going to be sorted out, even if they have to go for a vote to, to the general uh, membership of the party. It it's all going to be sorted it, out in, in just over a week. Yes, to be clear. So if there's just one candidate, that's it. There's no need to then go past the MPs and it, will go, it won't go like mm. the Liz Truss um, uh, votes to the party members <clears throat> for a decision. And I think that's what MPs really want, given the way that uh, the trust premiership worked out. But, you know, the big of the big runners and riders, we know that um, Finance Minister uh, Jeremy Hunt isn't running. That's no surprise. So that really leaves Rishi Sunak, the former finance minister. It leaves Penny Morden, leader of the House, who's been doing a pretty good job recently. And then we've got one Boris Johnson making his way back from the Caribbean. Yeah, so if he comes um, yeah, <laughs> racing back to actually do some work. So if it's him... Um, and, you know, that is going to cause uh, much consternation in the ranks, isn't it? So if if anything, I mean, you tell me you're the expert, but these are uncertain times. So no one's really an expert, are they? But I mean, if the markets are taking this calmly uh, and generally think that it's going to be a, it's going to be good news, Boris could be the one thing that's seen as uh, throwing the cat amongst the pigeons. I mean, we, we would see a market reaction to that. So uh, let's just, just be clear. So no one um, of the big runners and riders has formally um, thrown the hat in the ring yet, nor has Boris Johnson. He, he may not get over that, that threshold of 100 votes. It may well be mm. that the other two big runners and riders, Mordant and Sunak, gang up against him and MPs coalesce around one or two of them to ensure Boris doesn't get in. Boris is very popular with parts of the electorate still um, and with the party membership, were they to get a say. But he's a highly divisive figure in the in in the uk at the moment there's a lot of people that would not welcome that um to your point so so we we need to see how this plays out i'm going to be very interested to see how between between now and monday you know um who does throw their hat in the ring and what happens then um uh, late this week and early next week once we find out if he does throw his hat in the ring what happens to markets you you said there wasn't much of a reaction actually the pound did rally over a cent at one point on the initial reaction guilt yields were pushing down against a general backdrop where where broader yields elsewhere in the us germany what have you just continue this relentless grind higher so there is some 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 um you know some uh, outperformance by UK bonds. But to your point, oh, as the day has worn on and this uncertainty about who is it going to be, the pound has given up those gains, it's flat, yeah. and, and those yields have stopped falling. Actually, they picked up a little bit, but they're still in the UK. You know, they look markedly lower on the day, um, you know, um, down 20 basis points on the 30s on the day, down 20 basis points on the 20s, down 15 on the 2s and the 10s against, what, four up on the US 2s, six basis points up on the US 10s, 11 basis points up on US 30 year. So there's definitely mm. some differentiation going on there, but we need so, to see how this goes. I wonder, I wonder if we can pinpoint the reversal to, to the point at which uh, 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 Boris Johnson booked his air ticket back from the Caribbean. <laughs> Perhaps that's because, uh, I mean, it was his name was starting to get mentioned this afternoon, wasn't it? So anyway, here we are. Yeah. Uh, she is the 114 days is the, uh, until now, that was the shortest duration for a prime minister. That was George canning uh but uh his excuse was that uh, he died of tuberculosis uh, and liz trust is going to lasted half that time but actually australia has done much better in 1945 frank ford was prime minister for just eight days uh, replacing john Curtin. but he is sort of in a caretaker role so that doesn't really count but look the those rising yields elsewhere 
Uh, I mean, they just keep on going up in the US, don't they? And we've had, um, you know, Fed speakers sounding ever more hawkish. Uh, Patrick Harker, James Bullard talking up higher rates, maybe rates around 5% early next year. Where does it stop? Yeah, James Bullard's just underpinning the importance, he thinks, of front loading, but also saying it's important to wait. You know, this idea he's got that in 2023 we'll be closer to the point where we can sort of run ordinary monetary policy. Well, you, you, would, you would hope so, wouldn't you? Um, Patrick mm. Harker, to your point, uh, from, from Philadelphia, said he sees rates going well above 4% by the end of this year, uh, that we're going to keep, the Fed's going to keep raising rates for a while. Um, it'll stop sometime in 2023, but um, could could go again um, after pausing. All of this playing to the the notion that it's inflation is going to be sticky, and they're just going to have to keep the foot on the ground on this one. Uh, and that's because you know we're not seeing clear evidence of the Fed policy mix working at the moment we've no. still got a very robust labor market well uh, yeah those weekly jobless claims they fell last week 214,000 claims versus 226 the week before and well below the 230 expected so i mean that is just a sign mm. isn't it it is consistent with a tight labor market we had the philly fed business survey um perhaps not as weak as as, as expected i mean it is soft overall but you know again you know, if if you're looking for a turn on the dial there today, that played to the same grain. Yeah. Prices paid in that up from twenty nine point eight seven to thirty six point three. So, uh, indeed, 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 and so the die seems to be set, doesn't it? Until we get a break somewhere in this, um, which, you know, markets. And so, that, I guess the other point, the other sort of side effect of of, of the rates going up, particularly, you know, that move up in tens that I mentioned, ten year yields in the US is you read across to what's going on in the Japanese yen. You know, 24 hours ago, it was knocking on the door of 150, had a look look above it, couldn't really make the break. And this afternoon, it's gone from 149.60 to 150.20 in very quick fashion, just driven by that rate move. Um, Interesting that overnight, you know, the Bank of Japan had to come in and try and smooth some stuff there on its yield curve control. and we're now sitting comfortably above 150. The BOJ, you would imagine, as the as the MOFs agent, will be watching this. You know, is there a tactic to kind of lure a few in here and then smash this down a little bit uh, later on, where people get comfortable above 150? I'm not sure the market's going to get comfortable above 150. The point, though, is well, what's what's um, working? Nothing seems it, to be working it, so far. I mean, it, and, until no, they start lifting it, interest rates. I mean, we get inflation today yeah. i mean maybe maybe it's good news for them if they see inflation rising perhaps then they will have to start reacting well that's right and there's so in that inflation print that we're going to get you know there's some speculation that the the core core uh, that's ex fresh food and energy is expected to push up to an annual rate of 1.8% that would be a sort of a almost 30 year high um, and uh, that will help that view but there's nothing really um, officially that we're hearing from Japan that suggests they're ready to change this yet. I mean, the sort of, you know, uh, um, the potency of their, of their argument that they're going to defend YCC suggests the market is, it can probably afford to be brave here, you know, you, you, if you get intervention, because the move in the yen has been quite quick relative to when they intervened on the 22nd of September, you know, gone past that kind of speed limit, if you like. Um, 
And if they were to just allow it to go to gap above 150 without coming in, well, that would send a signal to market. I think more interesting is is they spent what 19 billion back it back in late September. It, it bought them two and a half days worth, and then the yen was back where it was. So if they do the same thing again, and it's just a a one show, even expensive one show. It's telling you they're not defending a level. They're just trying to slow the pace because they know the fundamentals against it. And to your point, you know, that, that, that the big picture there doesn't change until policy changes. Yeah, until inflation. Or, until or, inf- the, big, or the big dollar turns around. Yeah, exactly, which, which means <laughs> inflation has got to start coming down. And that's not going to happen in a hurry, is it? Because we look and we see, you know, some of the fundamental reasons behind it all. That that war in Ukraine continues. The US and the UK are calling for the Security Council to to look into the supply of drones by Iran to, to Russia. Uh, and, you know, we just see that whole thing escalating. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, also on supply side, you know, I mean, China isn't changing its policy. And Elon Musk, you know, was saying that the reason for the shortfall of, uh, of, of sales in Tesla is because there just aren't the carriers, there aren't the trains, there aren't the boats. Uh, you know, it's all he's blaming it all on the supply chain, you know, as though that's not really sorting itself out just yet. As long as that's there, we're, we're still going to have inflation, aren't we? But also, let's get back to employment, because we had uh, we had Australian uh, unemployment data yesterday. The unemployment rate. Uh, has stayed. Uh, newly employed is is up less than one thousand versus twenty five thousand uh, forecasts. I'm not quite sure what we take out of this. The number of part time jobs has fallen, but full time jobs has increased. But generally, if we just look at that top line, that unemployment rate, uh, then uh, you know the, the 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 labor market is still tight, basically in Australia. Yeah, I mean, as you say, employment in September uh, up just one thousand jobs. That that is a disappointment versus the consensus forecast of 25,000. You look back over the last six months, and that's actually what the average has been per month. You look after the last year, it's been about 60,000. I mean, the jobless rate, um, you know, if, if we if we think about it in unrounded terms, it, it rose from 3.48 to 3.54. Um, You've got to caution against over-interpreting the data. It, it, it is volatile month to month, but it does suggest some kind of slowing in the trend in in the trend of of employment growth but at the same time to your point totally agree the labor market tightness remains given the, the sort of strong demand for workers and as seen in nab's own business survey um and the um the elevated level of um seek job ads um you know what 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 the lack of hiring might show is is, is limited spare capacity. Uh, indeed, NAB's quarterly business survey, which which came out uh, yesterday, um, noted the um, availability of suitable labour as a major constraint on output at a record high level um, for the September quarter. Over 90% of firms in our survey reporting this fact. Uh, I think, you know, so I think it's important to note, you know, for the RBA, um, yeah, the October minutes didn't sort of interpret the slowing in employment growth there as a as a dovish signal, more as I say, more a sign of uh, of limited spare capacity. But we did see yields up quite a bit yesterday. Is that because of well, that? part of the part of the part of the global move, mm. part of the global move? It's not. I don't think it's anything um, particularly uh, idiosyncratic to Australia. Um, yeah. We are, though, coming, of course, to the big uh, Q3 CPI report next week, and that's that's going to drive everything yeah, for Australia. Absolutely. Inflation everywhere drives everything, doesn't it? It's such a point we can look at retail sales and say, well, that's nice to know. Uh, is that just about it? So we get those for the UK today. Uh, I think, mm. you know, who's going to be standing for Prime Minister might be of more interest. Uh, also, retail sales for Canada, which fell in July, plus uh, euro area consumer confidence. So a few bits happening today. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, says the man of few words. Well, few words all of a sudden. Uh, that's a sign, I think, that we leave it there. Good to talk, Gavin. Uh, we'll catch you again sometime soon. Thanks for coming on today on a pretty historic day in the UK, that's for sure. Cheers, Phil. I wonder what the permanent damage is going to be to the UK economy from uh, the last month or so. That's it for the morning call for this Friday morning. Back again after the weekend. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you on Monday morning.